Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. A lot has happened since right after I hit publish on Wednesday's DCA Wednesday episode, so I figured it was time to do a weekend update. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. As I mentioned, a lot has happened since our DCA Wednesday episode just a couple of days ago, not the least of which is the stock market absolutely got creamed on Friday, taking Bitcoin and pretty much everything else with it. But don't worry, the news isn't all bad. We definitely have some great news to talk about. But before we do, let's get to the vital statistics. Today is Sunday, May 1st, 2022. And we currently find ourselves at a block height of 734,416. Bitcoin is ringing in at $37,995 per Bitcoin. That's about $1,000 lower than it was just on Wednesday when we did our DCA Wednesday stack. And it will currently get, and you can currently purchase 2,632 sats per cuckbuck. If you insist on converting your shiny yellow rocks into Bitcoin, it will currently cost you 20 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. And one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 2,277 Papa John's pizzas. Oh, and one barrel of oil is currently retailing for 281,887 sats. For those that follow such a thing, the current market cap is down to 722.9 billion. It was 740.1 billion on Wednesday, so about an $18 billion decrease just over a couple of days. It's been 172 days since we hit that all-time high of 69,000. That puts us down about 44.9%, which is, uh, again, a little bit worse off than we were on Wednesday at 43.4%. The mempool is looking pretty clear, and it usually is on weekends. This is a great time to get those transactions consolidated or sent to your hardware wallet. Currently, there's less than one block's worth of transactions pending in my mempool. So even though it says the recommended uh, fee to guarantee that you're in the next block is seven sats per byte. One sat per byte will certainly clear relatively quickly, if not immediately, uh, but definitely within one day. That metric that you know I like to follow, the 24-hour transaction rate metric, it's always lower on the weekends, and so it's not going to be um, fair to compare it to the previous Wednesdays, but it's hanging in there at a respectable 2.84 transactions per second. And of course, you know, I like to see above three transactions per second, but uh, I base that on weekday activity and there's always less activity on the weekends because, well, along with institutional adoption comes bankers hours and a lot of the business of the business gets done Monday through Friday, nine to five, even though it could be done 24 hours a day. So uh, it's not unusual at all to see lower volumes on weekends. And on a Sunday, 2.84 transactions per second is actually really, really good. Uh, we had just had a difficulty increase in mining difficulty. 
Uh, I believe that was about a 5.6% difficulty increase. That's fairly significant. We are currently 1,424 blocks away from the next difficulty increase. That should be around May 10th, so 9 or 10 days from now. And depending on where you get your data, that's going to be an increase of anywhere between 1.7% to 3.5%. Of course, that is a fluid um, number because, as you know, the Bitcoin code is looking to keep the blocks as close to nine, or correction, as close to 10 minutes apart as possible on average. And so it's got plenty of time for the hash rate to increase or decrease or do its thing. And so that number will get more reliable the closer we get to that difficulty increase. But as it stands, it's looking to be anywhere between about 2 to 4%. And that is because blocks are currently averaging 9 minutes and 39 seconds this difficulty epic. And that is just a little bit longer than the 9 minutes and 32 seconds they were coming in on Wednesday. And that's even with the difficulty increase we just had. So clearly, there is a lot more hash power coming online because it absorbed that difficulty increase, and then some. All right. Uh, first of all, before we get to the news, I really want to thank whoever it is out there that's been anonymously streaming us sets. Uh, I had set up the Fountain app and had been playing around with Podcasting 2.0, but hadn't really gotten serious with it yet. And all of a sudden, I noticed that we had a couple thousand sats that somebody had been streaming to us. So thank you very much, Anon, for streaming us those sats. All I know is that it's somebody that's using the Breeze wallet, and we are available on Podcasting 2.0 apps, such as the Fountain app, so um, that's one great way you can support us or any of your favorite podcasts. With Podcasting 2.0, in case you're not familiar, it allows you to set a uh, certain number of Satoshis that it will stream for every minute you listen to a podcast. Uh, you can keep that at zero. You don't have to pay uh, anything to listen to a podcast. It's value-for-value value model as you tip basically what you fit what you feel uh it's worth to you to listen to that podcast in fact um you can even keep it set at zero and then just hit that boost button uh if you hear something that you particularly like or really feel like tipping um that podcast at that particular point in time so it'll let you stream a fixed number of sats and or hit a boost button where you can say stream one satoshi per minute and then bump a five satoshi 500 satoshi tip uh, if an episode is, uh, if you feel like you're getting a particular value out of a particular episode. Anyway, thank you very much to whoever has been doing that, uh, you or all of you, and uh, that's cool. That, that's really cool. That that was a neat feeling to, to open that up and see those sats coming in. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and get the bad news out of the way right off the bat. Uh, no, we're not talking about the price action. We're talking about the fact that the dystopian novel 1984 is officially no longer fiction. A United States law enforcement agency, the Department of Homeland Security, who should be tasked with catching terrorists and keeping the borders secure, has established what is officially being called the Disinformation Governments Board, more appropriately known as the Ministry of Truth. Biden's new disinformation czar, Nina Jankowitz, is a blatantly disturbing choice for an already incredibly disturbing infringement on our constitutional right to free speech, an abhorrent power grab, uh, just almost unbelievable. I mean, especially in an election year, I can't believe that the administration chose to get this dark and this dr this draconian just months into a into an election 
where their own pollsters are telling them that they are that they are going to be wiped out. The people are so mad at their representatives and the people that are currently in power that um, the party currently in power is looking at a massive wipeout in November, and they went ahead and just put the cherry on top with this uh, disinformation governance board. And we're just going to go ahead and call that the Ministry of Truth from from this point forward, because that's exactly what it is. According to the Daily Mail, Jankowitz has a dubious history of promoting misinformation herself. Quote, about COVID masks, claimed the Trump presidency would embolden ISIS, and even praised the British spy behind the fake Russian dossier that the Hillary Clinton campaign is now known to have funded and paid for as basically just a political hoax, a fake political smear during the uh, presidential election. According to the Washington Examiner, even the Chinese Communist Party is using her words to help promote their uh, to promote to help to help promote their dubious agenda, saying that uh, well, basically using her her words, denying the lab leak theory as quote pro Trump talking points. Uh, famously, she's been called out for claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian hoax. So, I guess. Um, if you want somebody who really knows fake news, who really wants, who really knows propaganda and misinformation, then I guess she'd be the perfect pick. Um, she has been called a blatant partisan hack, which is exactly what you'd expect from an authoritarian government. The New York Post is calling it as it is, saying, quote, Biden's disinformation czar is the latest assault on free speech. So... If you are not worried about the way things are going in this country, if you think we're living in a free country, if you think you have the right to free speech, buckle up because it's going to get really interesting. All right, let's get on to the good news. Nye, let's get on to the great news. Pretty much right after I did the DCA Wednesday podcast, it broke that the Central African Republic, quote, validated a law which officially makes Bitcoin legal tender, if you've never heard of the Central African Republic, the Central African Republic, or CAR, is one of six former French colonies who do not have a currency of their own and were forced to use the CFA franc or the Central African franc, CFA originally standing for French Colonies of Africa, well, French, which I don't speak, but Colonies Francois Africa or whatever the French translation is. I apologize to my French listeners and my French-speaking friends for not speaking your language. Um but I, it wasn't actually even available uh, where I went to school. I, I took German. The currency has been criticized for making economic planning of the developing countries of French West Africa all but impossible since the CFA's value is pegged to the euro, whose monetary policy is set by the European Central Bank. So basically, it has been further described as monetary colonialism, similar to El Salvador, who is using the U.S. dollar, uh, they got all the negative consequences of French and European monetary policy, but with absolutely none of the benefits. At least El Salvador had the U.S. dollar, which was accepted worldwide, uh, even though we could inflate the U.S. dollar and then uh, they wouldn't, you know, we would, the people closest to the spigot would get the benefits and then the inflation would hit and El Salvador, El Salvador would be hosed by the inflation while they, while not getting to enjoy the money printing, the benefits of the money printing that caused that inflation. At least they still had the U.S. dollar in, at the end of the day, whereas um, Carr only had those CFA francs, which are basically useless anywhere other than those Central African republics. The Central African Republic has 
uh, some things in, in common with El Salvador. They're similar in size. Uh, CAR has about 4.6 million people, which is smaller than El Salvador's 6.8 million people, but still relatively small. Unlike uh, El Salvador, the Central African Republic is a landlocked country in the middle of Central Africa. Uh, they do have a lot of rivers to go raging through there, a lot of tributaries to the Congo. Um, in fact, the only electricity that they have is hydroelectric for the most part. And it's estimated that only 14% of the population currently has a- access to that hydroelectricity. So will Bitcoin adoption change that? The narrative already is that Bitcoin helps uh, provide an incentive for uh, infrastructure projects, such as adding more hydroelectric or tapping some of their other vast resources. I'm not super familiar with with uh, with CAR, but uh, I do know that they are rich in resources, if not poor in money. But besides the many benefits that will come from being able to have a deflationary currency instead of a massively inflationary currency, besides all of the inherent benefits that they'll get from using Bitcoin, from being able to trade for free, from being able to do those remittances for pennies, uh, this could very well be the impetus for connecting the the citizens of the Central African Republic to electricity, to utilities, to getting them internet. Um, Because we've already seen around the world where uh, Bitcoin has well, Bitcoin, if you were to build a new electric plant and you knew that you could sell that electricity to Bitcoin miners, then uh, it's a lot easier to build a multi-million dollar project if you already have the customers lined up, if that electricity has already sold, been sold in advance. Uh, it also makes you know, things like hydroelectric more profitable because you know during the wet season, during the rainy season, there's more flow through the dam, through the turbines, so they can generate more electricity at certain times of the year than they can at others. Again, I'm not an expert on car, but in general, hydroelectric electricity has the uh, has ups and downs in its production capacity. And Bitcoin, again, that's another one of its strong suits. As you know, in Texas, ERCOT's using Bitcoin mining to help balance the grid. Um, and that would be similar to how it could possibly be used in the Central African Republic. So now there are two. We've officially got a second country adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. And a, and a country that most people, a lot of people hadn't even heard of, but definitely one that is prime for uh, Bitcoin adoption. was there, Again, a country where you probably didn't have to ask the people, um, or tell the people, explain to the people what Bitcoin was, but simply how can they use it? Because um, that is a very, very, very poor country. Another great piece of uh, good news that came out this week was um, was the announcement of Bitcoin Jungle in Costa Rica. Bitcoin Jungle is a project that uh, aims to be modeled at replicating the idea behind Bitcoin Beach, behind El Zante in El Salvador. Uh, Bitcoin Jungle is in the, quote, Golden Triangle area of, southern, of southwestern Costa Rica. According to Bitcoin Jungle, they already have 50 roving market vendors and 20 brick-and-mortar businesses that are using their Bitcoin Jungle wallet, which I believe was developed by the same people that developed the uh, Bitcoin Beach wallet. And uh, apparently this wallet was launched approximately six months ago, and in that short amount of time, it's had 1,500 downloads and 1,000 active users. Now, this is nowhere near on par with El Salvador's legal tender law or their Bitcoin city plans, nor is it even as organic as the genesis of Bitcoin Beach. But 
if Costa Rica plays their cards right, they are in a position to really take advantage of this in terms of getting things started, in terms of getting the ball rolling. You know, Costa Rica is already a hugely popular tourist destination, especially with American tourists and Canadian tourists. Uh, you know, they've, well, I know people that go down there on eco tours. I know a person who used to be a whitewater rafting instructor down there and someone that ran a zip line down there. One of our local businesses has a timeshare condo business down there. Um, so they have a huge head start in terms of uh, attracting people than El Salvador did. I mean, I uh, I know almost nobody with the exception of, of, of Bitcoiners making the pilgrimage to El Zante or maybe one or two diehard surfers like that. Um, I Other than that, I can't name a single person I, I personally know who's gone to El Salvador on vacation, but it seems like almost everyone I know has gone to Costa Rica on vacation more than once. Uh, I have friends that are there right now. So you can see how that would put them at a tremendous advantage to get the ball rolling. If they play their cards right, um, and this isn't a zero-sum game, it's not like it would knock El Salvador off the map and they would be number one and El Salvador would be number two, but they would be poised to gain at least as rapidly, if not more rapidly, than El Salvador is. Uh, and that's really cool. In case you're not familiar with Costa Rica and with how popular it is amongst Americans, there are already 24,201 American expatriates living in, in Costa Rica and 3,639 Canadian expats living in Costa Rica. So uh, it is not an unknown, scary place like El Salvador was pictured when most people think of El Salvador. Um, before Nayib Bukele was elected, they thought of MS-13 and illegal immigrant convoys uh, and not much else. Uh, I know that's unfair to El Salvador because there's a lot of great people down there, a lot of hardworking people, but uh, it was pretty much off the roadmap for most tourists. Uh, and that's changed radically since uh, Nayib Bukele came to power and since the Bitcoin adoption bill. I think, I forget what the numbers are, but it's something really impressive. 30% or, or better increase in tourism and tourism dollars in El Salvador. But again, my point being, Costa Rica is already a tourism mecca. So um, they've already got the people coming and now they can take advantage of it, um, at least if they follow in El Salvador's footsteps. Right now, all we have is a little pilot program, a little pilot project, uh, hoping to become Bitcoin jungle in, in the image of, of Bitcoin Beach. But how exciting. I mean, it's not it's not nation state adoption, but we had nation state adoption in the in the form of the Central African Republic. And we have um, another circular Bitcoin economy attempting to be developed in Costa Rica. And that is really cool. And that is basically all I really had to talk about. Um, that's the really the reason why I did this update was to rant a little bit about the information, um, the Ministry of Truth establishment and then to uh, tell you about if you hadn't heard about the Central African Republic or Bitcoin jungle. I would like to ask all of you, if you aren't already, to consider giving us a follow on Twitter and or our YouTube channel. On Twitter, we're at Bitcoin Bulletin, uh, or correction, at BTC Bulletin Pod. And, uh, and of course, um, I'd encourage you to download the Fountain app or your favorite podcasting 2.0 app and give us a follow. When you do listen to us, listen to, consider listening to us on the Fountain app. And if what I say happens to give you value, maybe consider streaming us some sats or boosting uh, some sats if you like a particular episode better than others. Uh, there are some other ways you can 
support us, as I repeatedly mention on DCA Wednesdays when we do our stack with the Cash App. There is a Cash App referral link in the show notes. And if you don't have Cash App and you sign up for Cash App and you use that link, you'll get five bucks just for signing up and we'll get five bucks and that'll certainly help us out. There's also a Strike referral link in the show notes as well. If you don't have Strike, that's a great way to send sats. Um, you can buy Bitcoin with Strike as well. But if you want to send someone, if you want to pay, if you want to pay in sats or pay someone with sats, but you don't want to spend your precious Bitcoin and you don't want to worry about the tax ramifications of sending Bitcoin, you can use U.S. dollars and they will convert it into sats and pay a uh, Bitcoin invoice or a Lightning invoice for you. So you can support a Bitcoin merchant with Strike without actually spending your your stash if you want to. Also, you can support us directly through the Anchor.fm support link if you are listening on Anchor or Spotify. Um, that support link should be in the show notes as well, as well as a base 32 address in the notes if you wanted to contribute Bitcoin directly. You can always contact us. Again, we're on Twitter at BTC Bulletin Pod. And if you'd like to email me, you can email me at bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. That's it for this weekend. I just wanted to give a quick shout out because that news is already probably going to be a little stale by the time Wednesday rolls around. So if nothing else, we will see you next Wednesday when we resume our dollar cost averaging series, our DCA Wednesday series. Um, if you haven't been following us, we stack $20 for the Bitcoin every Wednesday. And we've been doing that since last July to test out the dollar cost averaging theory of Bitcoin. Uh, again, our podcast is not financial advice. I'm just testing out DCA and uh, hopefully you can follow along and watch us discover how it works. Okay, well, thank you for listening and keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.